Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's December 4th. Reinhard Maria Rilke was born on this day in 1875. He was a poet, a novelist, an essayist. He primarily wrote in German and in French, but his work has been translated into numerous other languages, and he's become particularly studied and beloved in the English-speaking world in a way that's not really all that common among non-English language poets. He was his parents' only surviving child, and for a lot of his early life, his mother actually dressed him in skirts. She was trying to recover from the death of his older sister who had died as a baby. His first formal education was at a military school, although it wasn't a particularly good fit for him. It wasn't just because of his temperament, which was not well-suited to being at a military school, It was also because of his health. He had a series of chronic illnesses that affected him throughout his life. Health problems led to his being discharged from the second military school that he attended. He went on to study philosophy and art. And he wasn't a particularly good student. He moved from one university to another, not being all that engaged with the work that he was doing. And he also started writing when he was still a young man. His early work, though, was really derivative of the writing of other poets, to the point that some critics today don't really describe it as derivative. They describe it as plagiarized. But he started to reinvent himself when he was 22. Part of this was through a relationship with Lou Andreas Salome, who was a writer who was connected to numerous other writers. She had a whole reputation for being a just astonishing woman, She was also married, but the relationship inspired him to basically remake his whole life. At the age of 25, he married a sculptor named Clara Westhoff, and they had a child together, although they didn't live together for very long. A lot of their marriage took place through letters, and he would later go on to describe marriage as two people protecting one another's solitude. For a lot of his life, including during and before his marriage, he just moved continually. At one point, he lived in 25 different places over the span of five years. He learned numerous languages. He pursued passionate relationships with women in all of these places. Later on, he started writing poems about philosophy and God and beauty, using imagery to express his ideas. His writings on God, though, we should be clear, They're not so much about religion or a divine figure. They're more about God as a universal consciousness or as a life force or as a natural presence, not so much as a divine being. He also had friendships and working relationships with so many other philosophers and writers and poets. One of them was Auguste Rodin, who was a major influence on his work. He also worked as Rodin's secretary for a time, but was let go after Rodin alleged that Rilke was answering his letters without his permission. Rilke died of leukemia on December 29th of 1926, and there's a story that he pricked his finger on a rose and that 
when he did that, this led to an infection that hastened his death. It's not totally clear whether that is a real event or apocryphal. After his death, though, he became hugely influential to poets in multiple languages, with some of them naming him as the greatest poet of his age. When it comes to English-language readers, though, only a few of his poems were really available in very good English-language translations until the 1970s. Instead, a lot of the admiration for him comes from his prose, in particular, the Letters to a Young Poet, which was a response to the aforesaid young poet's request for advice. These weren't just about writing, though. They were also really about life. Rilke's reputation is one of being just a profoundly thoughtful and conscientious, introspective person, someone who really crafted himself into the person that he wanted to be and in the process transformed himself into a remarkable poet, although he definitely has detractors, people who instead read him as a pretentious womanizer rather than a more intuitive and passionate soul. Thanks very much to Eves Jeffcoat for her research work on today's show, and thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a mystery at sea that still persists till today. Welcome back. I'm your host, Eves, and you're tuned into This Day in History class, a show that takes history and squeezes it into bite-sized stories. The day was December 4th, 1865. Edith Louisa Cavill was born in England. Cavill was a nurse known for hiding Allied soldiers from Germans during World War I. Cavill was the oldest of four children. When she was young, Edith was educated at home, mostly by her father, who was the vicar in Swardiston, where she was born. She later went to boarding school, then worked as a governess for an Essex family. Edith spent time traveling in Switzerland, Bavaria, and Saxony, gaining an interest in hygiene and medicine. In Brussels, Cavill worked as a governess, but when her father got sick, she went back to England to care for him. Cavill soon began her nursing education and started gaining experience in hospital work. She worked in different hospitals in the London area, and she took jobs as a private nurse. Belgian surgeon Antoine Depage invited Cavill to Belgium to help with the direction of his new nursing school, which would be influenced by the model developed by Florence Nightingale. As an English-trained nurse who was fluent in French, Cavill fit the bill for who he was looking for. She became the director of nurse training at the Birkendale Medical Institute, and within a few years was working as a nurse trainer at several hospitals and schools. Cavill also began publishing the nursing journal La Fermière. But as the First World War began, Germany invaded Belgium and entered Brussels. Her clinic and nursing school were turned into a Red Cross hospital. She cared for wounded German soldiers. When a couple of injured English soldiers ended up in her clinic in November of 1914, she hid them and helped them escape to the neutral Netherlands. As more Allied soldiers began showing up at her clinic, she continued to shelter them and assist them in escaping to the Netherlands. Many of the soldiers she helped were British and French. She began working with an underground network of people who supplied the Allied soldiers with food, money, clothes, and fake documents. 
Soldiers were moved from location to location in the network, and Cavill's clinic was one stop. The network also assisted French and Belgian men who were of military age that feared being imprisoned by the Germans. Cavill's resistance work in harboring Allied soldiers and helping them escape was against German military law. But the system broke down when members of the network were caught and linked to unlawful activity. Cavill was under suspicion, and she was arrested on August 5, 1915. She spent weeks in solitary confinement, and she signed depositions admitting her guilt. She was charged with war treason and helping soldiers escape to Britain, which was at war with Germany. That meant she was aiding an enemy. Cavill went on trial and was found guilty. She was sentenced to death and executed by firing squad on October 12th. After her execution, Germany used her death to discourage resistance. The British, on the other hand, used her execution as propaganda to encourage enlistment in the British Army. People around the world denounced that the Germans had executed a nurse and believed the punishment was too harsh. After the war was over, Cavill's remains were exhumed and transported to England. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can keep up with us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHC Podcast. And if you would like to write me a letter, you can scan it, turn it into a PDF, and send it to us via email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.